we're going to start it. I'm a little late because we had some technical difficulties with my iPad, but I got it all sorted out. And now we are going to talk about money, and I'm going to coerce you into giving all your money to the church so I can buy a jet. That's a joke. No, uh, we're going to – we are going to talk about money, though. We're going to talk about what a disciple does with his money. Uh, if we're called to be like Jesus, um, then that means the money we earn and the things we accumulate at some point come into question. Just what do we do with them? And last week we talked about uh, the heart, and we're kind of going to go down that similar road this week. Um, but first we will uh, pray. Well, Jesus, we love you, and I praise you, Lord, that uh, the sun is shining, the weather's getting warmer, uh, we're forecast into the high 80s, uh, low 90s, and uh, it's going to be a great weekend. Lord, we praise you uh, for more than just the sunshine, Lord, for your son. We pray. We praise you for your word. We praise you for your Holy Spirit. We praise you that you have redeemed sinners like us, that without your son's sacrifice, we would still be lost and with, without any salvation, any redemption, or any reconciliation. Jesus, tonight I pray that you would, uh, no matter how many people are here, touch those who come in, those who come through, and, and even myself, Lord, help me open my eyes to see the goodness and the glory of your Son, Jesus, that you may be high and lifted up, that all men may be drawn unto uh, your great and mighty Son. And above all things, we love you, we worship you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, our main text over this next year uh, is Matthew 16 and 24. And this is Jesus proclaiming uh, not only to his disciples, but to the world and anybody who would, would come after him. It says that Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever, would, uh, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. In... I'll say modern Christianity, uh, and really what I mean by that is the, the Christianity that you see in the forefront, media, Facebook, uh, the books of the Christian bookstore, uh, the podcasts, and all of that. Um, there is a great movement towards um, the freedoms that we have in Christ. And the Bible is clear that in Christ Jesus we have been set free, we have been made free indeed, that we enjoy and experience life unlike the rest of the world but rather than um, couple that with this scripture uh, they kind of just take that one and go with it and so in this scripture Jesus says if anyone would come after me if anybody would follow me if anybody would be like me if anybody would just endeavor to to be my disciple then he will deny himself and that means at, at certain times Jesus is going to uh, give us an opportunity to say no. There will be times where it's a definite no. If we cross this line, we're stepping into the territory of sin, and the idea of whether we should do it or not is not uh, its not even on the table. We know that that's not the line we should cross. We fail, we're successful, but that line's there, and it's right in the sand, and we're not allowed to cross it. But then there's circumstances where we're coming to God with an A and B scenario. Should I go left or right? Should I uh, stop or go? And uh, it may be that neither one of the options is a sin. You just want to know which direction to go. And occasionally, Jesus will give us the opportunity to either do something or deny ourselves. Um, 
denying ourselves of sin is its own reward because it's like denying yourself playing with fire. You're not going to burn your hands. Um, but denying yourself maybe a, a dream, maybe a desire, denying yourself because at the end of the day, you want Jesus' dreams. You want what he wants. If, you're, if your main goal in life is to proclaim the gospel, whether it's through parenting, whether it's through your job, whether it's through your hobbies, if your main goal is to glorify Jesus, there's going to be times where he says to deny yourself something. Um, not just sin, but, but he's going to have you go left instead of right. Even Well, I got backwards. Going right instead of left when you really want to go left. And you'll, you'll, you'll contemplate, left isn't bad. I can go left and nobody gets hurt. I can go left. That's not a sin. But Jesus wants you to go right. There's going to be times where we want to spend our money and Jesus will say save. And there will be times where we want to save and Jesus will say give. And so what we want to do is ultimately, like any disciple, come alongside Jesus. Let him lead us. Where do we go? Where do we stop? Where do we eat? Where do we uh, say yes and where do we say no? So last week, we started talking about the condition of our hearts. I find it interesting that um, God, through the Holy Spirit, goes after our hearts, but Satan doesn't. Satan goes after our flesh. Um, to me, that is a great, a big tell into the character of both of, uh, of, both of these, uh, I'll call them individuals, uh, God and, and created being, that Satan knows that to get to us to make a sin, he tempts our flesh. And he knows that our heart is bent on uh, all that is evil. That's what the Bible says. And so he tempts our flesh. But we can't control temptation. You know, temptation comes, uh, and sometimes we're not even expecting it. It just comes along, and oh dear, here's temptation. How we respond to temptation is our part. And whether we allow the Holy Spirit to quicken us and strengthen us, or whether we indulge in that, uh, temptation, then we cross a line into actually committing sin. But Jesus, rather than just cleaning up our flesh, he goes after the very core of who we are. When we're talking about, when the Bible's talking about the heart of man, he, the Bible's talking about the very core of our being. Not, not necessarily just the physical flesh heart of us, and not even really just our brain, but our soul our spirit, everything that makes us us, the part of our being that no one knows but us, that's the part that God goes after. He knows that if he changes that, everything from the inside out will be made clean. Everything from the inside out will be redeemed. Um, so often religion fails, not because they don't have the right rules, but because they simply, simply tack on rules hoping that the outside being clean will clean up the inside. And I've met many people who um, change environments, change places, and their problems that are internal just go right with them. doesn't matter where they're at. doesn't matter where they live. doesn't matter what job they have. If the problem is internal, like their heart, then the problem goes with them. And so when it comes to money, this is a very, very, very sensitive um, Bible study. This is a very sensitive topic to talk about because – between the few of us here, we could go on and on about this pastor that we know about, this congregation that we heard about, this church that we just heard about who did something wrong with money. One of, um, one of the churches I closely followed the last couple of years 
have fallen under um, no allegations but suspicion because they set up this account or they set up this fund to to plant churches in other countries and it's slowly coming to light that well as they received those donations they had they had bills at home they had to take care of and honestly when it, when somebody gives to a church you release it and you you allow the church to do what they want but they were raising funds for one thing using it for another not necessarily illegal it is somewhat fraudulent um and it can be fraudulent if they were doing that intentionally however um, it becomes very suspicious, and that church is no longer above reproach. Now people can can look at them and say, you know what, they were they were a little bit uh, misleading about this. What about this over here? Was this all was this on the level? Is was this all uh, above board, or were they doing that there as well? Where have all these funds been going? Everything now comes into question. And this was what I considered a a good Bible believing spirit-filled Jesus loving ministry that just tried to you know flub a few things and it and it all unraveled and now that church no longer even exists which is really really sad but that's mild compared to the blatant stealing and 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 fleecing of the flock that we've seen today for as far back as we can remember you go back to the book of acts it, it, it's it's been there all all along there's no time in history where it was worse than, than the other time. You see Ananias and Sapphira in the book of Acts. They try to cheat the church. They sell a piece of property. They, they try to claim that the money they're giving to the church is everything they earned when really they've, they've kind of skimmed off the top and kept some from, their, from themselves. They wanted to, to look godly, to look like they were following Jesus, while in their heart was just darkness and, and just deceit and greed. And they end up, it ends up costing them their life. And so uh, we have to be very sensitive when we talk about money. I, I, I've one of the few, uh, one of the few common denominators when I when I evangelize to folks, just just share with them the gospel. Is uh, often they go to the money. Oh sure, they just want the church just wants my money. The church just wants me to give. Uh, I've known ministers who've been afraid to to encourage folks to give because because what will they think of the church if the church starts asking for money? Um, that is not an answer to the problem. The problem here is the heart of man. The problem here has always been the heart of man. And so what we've got to do is seek the Lord to be changed in our hearts so that we no longer see money as an idol, that we're no longer afraid to talk about money, but we, we use it and, uh, or as should say, we use it as a tool and as a way and as an avenue to worship Jesus. And so that's what we're going to talk about a little bit tonight. Last week, Jesus talked about um, laying up for yourselves uh, treasures on earth as opposed to laying up uh, treasures in heaven uh, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. And so uh, the issue is not the laying up of treasures. It's where you lay up those treasures. And I believe it was in, in 1 Timothy where Paul tells us that the laying up of treasures in heaven is, is actually our good works. These good works aren't saving us from hell, but they're evidence that we are saved from hell. That we we want to do good things. We want to we want to help other people. We want to give to them. We want to 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 serve them. Um, you know, we're going to do so even and be so vulnerable that we might even be taken advantage of because sometimes you help people and they are ungrateful. 
or they're not thankful or 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 best case scenario they just forget to thank you worst case scenario they're using you as a system to get what they want to to meet a an end and you're just the means to meet that end so that being said we are talking about stewardship this all comes underneath the umbrella of stewardship and we've talked about how we we are stewards of the gospel we are stewards of life we are stewards of possessions and now we're talking about being stewards of money so here is is the big lesson for tonight if you went home tonight and this is all you remembered this is what I want you to remember God doesn't want your money God wants your heart God doesn't need your money God wants your heart some folks when they make their uh, we will call it a um, can't think of the churchy word for it, but we make our plea when we say uh, you know it's time for our tithes and offerings can we have a couple ushers come forward um, there are some folks who come at that in desperation sometimes maybe there's a need maybe the the insurance bill is due maybe uh, maybe the the light bill is due maybe it's just some unforeseen problem with the church building itself um, folks generally uh, or can I should say not generally but they can come in desperation have you ever listened to to and this is a real easy uh, people to throw under the bus I don't mean to but I'm gonna um, you listen to radio stations when they have their pledge drives you 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 would think that they're on their last leg I mean this this ministry is on the verge of just shutting down tomorrow if you don't make your pledge and and I I've always come from the thought that if God's in it God will fund it if he wants you to have a radio ministry or a television ministry or or a um a, or just a regular brick and mortar church ministry um then the Lord will fund it somehow some way there will either be a steady flow of of people just giving or there will be people who give occasionally that just meet your needs so that you can keep preaching the gospel it's his gospel his message to redeem his people i don't see why there are some who believe that it must be funded by us entirely now god will use us that's the good news but the the fear is that if 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 you don't get involved this all comes crumbling down the church has existed uh, for some 2,000 years, has never stopped, never been quenched, the gates of hell have not prevailed, and, and when we come in desperation, what I feel that, that gets done is we strike fear into the people and we foster an, uh, a mindset that they are the saviors of the church. And rather than being a part of the church, if they weren't there, this whole thing would come crumbling down. Haughtiness and greed and, and, and pride enters in. To make matters worse, there are pastors who they will coddle those who give the most in a church. They will, they will do their best to be stern with, with most people, but for those who maybe give the most on a weekly basis, well, they sort of have a free ride. And occasionally they'll go and they'll be nice to that person so that they might give another large donation. They just they, they are fearful that those people might go to another church and, and take their tithe with them. This is no, none of this is biblical. All of this is sinful. And we have to we have to operate as a church and as a ministry above these things. And so you'll notice that when I make an, uh, an appeal every Sunday morning, there's never any desperation in my voice. There's desperation that, that you would give your hearts to Jesus, that you would uh, live for him and be his disciple and love him above all things. Uh, that I'm going to make a, a really good plea for that. 
And some folks, some pastors would say, you know, you gotta, you gotta really get in there and tell them about tithing and, and blah, blah, blah. And you know, I just, I trust the Lord in a way that says, you know what, this ministry has existed way longer than I have. This ministry, in my understanding, historical-wise, there's been a church building here in some way, shape, or form for since about the 1850s. And so as long as the Lord wants there to be a church here, the doors will remain open through through what he does for us. Now you might say, well, Pastor Tony, the, the way I just go home and take my money with me and I don't ever give. No, here's the here's the good news. Because you are now a child of God, you get to be a part of what God is doing. You get to joyfully, cheerfully give rather than uh, be pestered and bothered every few weeks or every few months or quarterly or, or biannually that, that it's time to give again. It's time. You know, we want to make sure we do this. We want to make sure we do that. If you don't give, we don't know what we're going to do. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm more worried about whether or not the Holy Spirit will be here, whether or not the Holy Spirit will, will continue to fill his people. Because I believe that if the Holy Spirit will fill his people, then they'll give. They will, they, will, they will chomp at the bit to be a part, whether it's the giving of their talents, whether it's the giving of their time, whether it's the giving of their treasures, that they will just want to give. And some might be a little more reluctant. There's an old saying that the last thing that is saved in a man is his wallet. But the, 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 eventually God gets them, and they see that I'm not giving to man. I'm not giving to a building. I'm giving unto the Lord. I am worshiping him by what I have. Um, my wife and I, um, we probably have less money now than we ever have. Um, we've been we've been re reminiscing these last few weeks. There was this brief window of time where where we both had full time jobs. Uh, I was getting paid as a pastor, and we had just this tiny little bedroom, one bedroom apartment, and bills were kind of low, and we had a, a very small car payment. And and it just wow, we we just have we have more money than we ever thought we'd have. I remember going to to Costco, which is uh, you know like BJ's or Sam's Club, and and buying the big 24 pack of Snapples. I I just felt like I've made it. I have I have 24 Snapples in three different flavors at my disposal 24 hours a day. This this is this is a this is what Jesus is talking about when he says he came to give life and life more abundant. Is a bunch of Snapples in your refrigerator, and then as quickly as we enjoyed that, boom. It was gone. It was gone. I got laid off from work, and and uh, I decided that I was going to uh, find another job, and Sarah had Ethan, and she was going to stay home, so we lost one of our incomes. And, and so since then, we have we have decided we'd rather stay home with our children as much as we can than, than just work and work and work and earn money um, to enjoy a, a different level of lifestyle. You know, we're satisfied with one car instead of two because it means we only have one car payment and one car insurance payment and that means I get to stay home and she gets to stay home and work from home and, and we still work both very hard here at the church and she's got uh, her businesses that she does but we we have decided that the time with our children in this stage of their life is more important than maybe uh, a second car or the snapples in the fridge and that sort of thing and so um, you know it, it's it's hard to uh, wrap your mind around tithing and giving and offering when it seems like you have no money but the the way we and I don't say this to toot our own horn we now give more percentage wise than we ever have 
we have each year over the last couple of years increased our giving by 1%. That doesn't sound like much. But our goal is that one day we're giving into the 40s and 50s and 60s percent. So that so that we're living on less and less while giving more and more. And right now it's nowhere near the 40s or 50s, but but that's our goal. And every year we're just adding a few more dollars every week. Trust in the Lord a little bit more. You know, some folks get so so in love with Jesus, they want to give everything, and then they hurt themselves by giving too much. Meaning they they, they give away the car payment. Oop, who's gonna pay for the car now? Or uh, you know, they they quit their job too soon or something like that. Um, this is a, a real easy way to be a little safer and a little smarter with your giving. You know, it's not about, you know, it, there's this old rule in the church that uh, 20% of the people give 80% of the funds. That means when you, when people come into church uh, by, by this generic rule, if we have 50 people on a Sunday morning, uh, what's that? Five, five people, 10 people are giving most of everything that is used to operate this church. So if most people just gave uh, and started at a, at their tithe, we wouldn't know what to do with with the money. Who knows what kind of missions we might fund, or or nonprofit organizations we might give to, or or staff we'd be able to hire, or or improvements we'd be able to make to the church. If if people were just faithful individually with just that ten percent, and that's a a long road to hoe. It really comes down to trusting. Jesus and taking him at his word. So the good news is God doesn't need your money. Psalm 50 and 10 says this, Every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. Verse 11 says, I know all the birds of the hills and all that moves in the field is mine. Verse 12, If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine. Here's the here's the um here's the man behind the curtain reveal moment. The money in your pocket already belongs to Jesus. Just because it's in your pocket doesn't mean he doesn't still own it or or it doesn't still belong to him. Because your life belongs to him. That means everything you have belongs to him. And everything we have has come from him. All good things, all good gifts have come from our Father in heaven. And so so we have to eliminate this idea that something that we have is, is really just ours. Because when we have that mindset, um, we sometimes hold on to things too too hard. We, we, we almost suffocate the things we have, and we end up losing them by holding on to them too tightly. I'm not talking about taking care of them. I'm not talking about stewarding them. I'm talking about idolizing them. Oh my God! Keep this. Got to keep this job. Got to keep this car. Got to keep this possession. Got to keep this thing. Got to keep this time. And if I don't have it, you know, I've lost something enormous. Everything belongs to, to God, and and He even says that if even if I were hungry, as though God could get hungry, I wouldn't come to you. I wouldn't tell you I'm hungry. Hey, give me some bread. You know, I'm God. I'm hungry. I'm the Almighty, but I'm hungry. That doesn't add up, right? I'm the Almighty God, and I really need your pledge today. That doesn't make any sense. So, Jesus doesn't need your money. To me, that's very relieving. That means when I give on a Sunday morning, it's not out of guilt. It's not out of manipulation. You know, I don't I don't parade a bunch of crippled kids up here to try to curry your uh, you know, your to get your uh, tug at your heartstrings, and oh, we better give because those kids, you know, tiny Tim's up there, and we gotta we gotta take care of him. Or you know, we just don't have to manipulate anybody. We don't have to. 
uh, coerce anybody into giving. Hey, do you want to give? Great. You're not going to give? Hey, I'm going to pray for you and pray that God blesses you too. And, and secretly, I'm going to be praying that God will get a hold of your heart so that your wallet loosens up a little bit. Not because we need your money, but because you're not exercising trust in him. And some folks might say, well, I give my time and I give my talent. And that's great. Giving your time is as valuable sometimes as giving your money. There's been times where um, the church needed to be cleaned and I couldn't make it down here, but somebody else could. That time that they put into this place was worth every bit as somebody paying somebody to come in and clean. However, I simply just question, why is it that you're settling for only giving your time? What is it about the money that is untouchable? You know, I just I ask you to just look into your heart, go to the Lord and say, Lord, am I doing what is right? Am I, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? In the coming weeks, we'll talk about tithing and offering. And, and often the tithe is, is used to sort of beat people into submission. If you don't tithe, God's not going to love you. We wouldn't tell that to our children, but we think that God tells that to us. It's a really strange thing. But Jesus doesn't need your money. Uh, that's point number one. Point number two is that giving is a privilege. It is, it is something that not everybody gets to do. If you have the ability to give, whether it is a tithe or whether it is a, a gift or whether it is to just help somebody, that's, a, that's an honor that the Lord has bestowed upon you. John 3.16 says that, that God so loved the world that he gave. And I believe that anytime the Bible allows us uh, through command and through edict and through statute that we are allowed to be like God, meaning that we can do something that he does, like giving, that's a great privilege and honor that we have. You know, as dads, we have a great privilege and honor to be considered dads just like our Father in heaven. It doesn't mean, we're, it doesn't mean we are as good as him. It just It's an honor and a privilege to have that title shared with us. Um, being a son, just like Jesus is a son to, to, to God the Father. It's an honor and a privilege. And giving is much the same. When we understand and, and properly view giving, we realize it's, it's that we get to be a part of what Jesus is doing. You know, there are times where um, just tonight I was cooking before I came in here, and uh, my daughter, she wanted, to, um, she wanted to help me. And I was making some, you know, some basic stovetop macaroni and cheese. I was cooking some chicken. I was cooking some broccoli. And uh, she really wanted to be involved, but she's, you guys have seen her, she's so tiny that she, I don't, I'm afraid to get her so close to the, to the stove because you know, her little tiny arms, she might burn herself or something. So I had to find a way, I couldn't just shut her down, I had to find a way to get her involved. So I let her measure things, you know, off to the side, away from the stove. I let her hand me things. And she loved it. She, for her, she was involved in what I was doing. That's all that mattered. And for me, this is how I view, based on what the Bible tells us, how I view giving. When I give, it's not somebody wrestling it from my hand. It's, it's I get to be a part of what God is doing. This dollar that I'm going to give or this $10 that I'm going to give somehow sends out the gospel of Jesus in some way, shape, or form. Whether it's the, the lighting of our church or buying new equipment or, 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 or what have you. It's, it's something that I get to be a part of. For me, I keep a, 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 a. I have two envelopes at home. This is kind of how I do this, and I'll share this with you more in the coming weeks. I have a, a tithe envelope, and all of that is my is my tithe, 
And uh, that's what I give on a Sunday morning. And then I have offering. And an offering, that will, may go to the church. That may go to an organization that I think is really doing a lot of good, um, who spends a lot of money in the helping of other people, not just administration costs and that sort of thing. Maybe um, somebody in the church has a need. They have no food. They can't pay a bill. They have no gas. The, the car broke down. Um, then that's where I would take from to, to offer them something. I would do it in secret. We don't parade it. Uh, I don't think you can go to all the recorded sermons that we have. I've never told anybody what I've given to whom at any point in time. It's something that my wife and I do in secret that, that nobody should know about. And uh, that's how we operate because that's how we view giving. It's a privilege. It's an honor. It's something that I get to do. It's not necessarily something I have to do. Number three, and I said this a minute ago, giving is worship. And when we talk about giving, we kind of get caught up in money, but really giving is the giving of anything. Have you ever met somebody who you've given them just some attention, and for them it's as if you've given them the greatest gift ever? You meet somebody who's just been beaten up by the world, who, who gets looked down upon so often, then you come across them, and, and you just ask them how they're doing, and when they say good, you kind of, you kind of hesitate and say, you don't sound so good. And they, they trust you in that moment to say, you know, things aren't really that great. Now, this is happening at home, or this is happening here at the job, or this is just what I'm going through. Um, that's giving. Um, often we picture church as somebody up here preaching down to us, and we're just sitting and enduring whatever, you know, me or anybody else might be saying. But the, the giving of your attention to whether it be myself or, or the musicians that do worship on Sunday or, or guest speakers we might have, if you are giving attention to the gospel being preached, um, you are giving. When we talk about giving, we're talking about the giving of, of all of ourselves, whether it's, whether it's money, whether it's, excuse me, whether it's our attention, our time, uh, our talents, whatever you want to call it, excuse me, the giving of everything we have. And if you go to the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit descends, and comes upon the people, and they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and they speak in tongues and all that, what's one of the first things they start doing? They start giving, but not just, not just giving monetarily. They give each other to each other through having meals with one another. They give their time to each other by worshiping with each other. When, when, uh, when it's time to send out Paul and Barnabas, they're all together uh, fasting and praying. They're giving to one another. When you guys come in here on a Wednesday or when people come in on a Sunday, you are giving yourself to God. But there are folks who come in with the wrong attitude. Well, I'm going to be here, and now that I've done my part, God's going to give me what I want. Or they see it as a sort of a, a, a transaction rather than I'm going to come give myself to the church and to the, the God who saved it. And, and that's a privilege and an honor and an act of worship. Second Corinthians 9 and 11 says this, You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them uh, and all for all others. 
while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Now, you will be enriched in every way. Most people stop right there. You will be enriched or you will be made rich in every way. They stop right there. But, but Paul continues to be generous in every way. So when Paul says in every way, this is not just limited to money or stuff. You will be made rich in so many different ways. You will be made rich not just monetarily but, but through health, through strength, through wisdom, through knowledge, through time, through ability. You know, there are people who can do great things like wo uh, woodworking and and crafts. And um, let me give you a really good example. My wife, I call her Mom Giver because we'll go out and we'll go out with a couple who have children. And the children will start fussing and she will whip up a toy for them out of nothing. The other day we were at a pizza place and she ran to the counter, got two plastic cups and some ice and let the little kid go back and forth with them. And he was astonished. And she simply brought it didn't cost her anything. They gave her the ice and the cups. And that until it turned into water, it was a pretty good toy. Um that's the giving of her talents and being rich in something while being generous in it as well. And I and I have a problem when folks preach that you will be rich to hoard your wealth to hoard what you have to to simply just accumulate a lot more stuff that sounds more american than biblical that sounds more like the culture we live in rather than the bible that we're supposedly listening to and following verse 12 said for the ministry of uh, for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints but also overflowing in many thanksgiving to god see giving is an act of worship it's an act of of thanking god and you can do so by giving you know, almost anywhere. You know, you can give to an individual. You know, somebody who's they may not even have a need. You just want them. It's just a single mom. You want her to go get her. You know, go get a pedicure. Here's a few bucks. Go to this place, get a pedicure. Why? Because I love you, and I know that you're not going to get one for yourself. A young family that just working hard. Each mom and dad both work in some way, and you just know that they could use something. Uh, uh, not just a necessity, but something that can just lighten the load for a night. Maybe buy them dinner. Maybe buy them some movie tickets. Maybe just bring them uh, the kids a toy or something. And you just you're you're being generous towards them simply because you know what God has done for you. In a way, you are thanking God by giving, by showing, by doing your good works, and by helping other people. This message transcends culture. That means we could go to Africa with this message. We can go to a tiny hut village where they have next to nothing. And we could preach to them, you know, what you have. If you share and are generous with them, these are evidences of, uh, uh, these are the fruits of the Holy Spirit in you. It doesn't matter that they live in a stick hut and have nets everywhere and are wearing clothes that we throw away. Are they still being generous with what they have? Or are they hoarding it? Or are they being miserly with it? See, we just have a lot more stuff. We're the, we're the rich that the Bible talks about. We have so much stuff. You know, I, I went today and I bought dirt. We're so rich we can buy dirt. Like I went and bought potting soil. I mean, it's special dirt, but I mean, it's dirt nonetheless. Or, or we buy bottled water. It's, it's 
water in a bottle. I swear it tastes different. I, I do, and you guys can all call me crazy. But that's that's how much stuff we have. We're bottling dirt and water and buying it. We just are very, very wealthy. Also very glad for water right now. So, to reiterate what Paul said la or what we read uh, Paul say last week through inspiration of the Holy Spirit in 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 17, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. When money is no longer an idol, life is, just simply put, it is better. When, and I'm not talking about having a lot of money. A lot of folks have the misconception, if I have a lot of money, then problems go away. Nope. You get more money, you get bigger bills. I, you know, I've I've talked, <laughs> I've met people who know they just want the big boat, and it's like you you have to like maintain that thing. You you don't just get a boat and that's it. Boats engine problems happen, you know. I had a I knew a guy once who used to go motorhoming or is that what you call a motorhome? RVing. They'd go RVing. He had an RV, and he was very, being very prideful and arrogant at the time, but he was like. Every time something goes wrong in that in that RV, it's a thousand dollars easily, right off the bat. It's gonna be I just know it's gonna be a thousand dollars, whether it's the engine or whatever. Most people think I get an RV and life is just easy, just ride, just drive wherever I want and live wherever I want. Till the motor, something happens to the motor, so something happens to uh, the electrical, so something happens to something. So you have to replace the tires that are you know who knows how much per tire. So so just having stuff doesn't mean that you're you're necessarily godly or or like Jesus. Paul says those who are rich in this age, that's us. We have certain things we need to do. Not to be haughty. And that could be hard sometimes. Not to set our hopes on the uncertainty of riches. You know, for us, we're not to look at riches and say, "Man, if I just had that, I'd be okay if I just – or if I just keep this little nest egg, then everything's going to be all right. That we are to rely on God who richly provides to everybody, to, 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 to each of us to enjoy. Now, this does not guarantee a life without pain. This doesn't mean everything will always be a, a time to enjoy. What this means is that those things that we get to enjoy will be from God, our Father, who loves us. We are to do good and to be rich in good works. So if we're using our riches, if we're using what we've accumulated only for ourselves, then I think we're doing it wrong. I think if we're using it for ourselves and for others, I think we're doing it right. I think if we're only doing it for others and not enjoying it ourselves, then why is God giving us gifts? If you give somebody a gift and they don't use it, you don't generally walk away thinking they appreciated that. You think, oh, that must have got the wrong gift, or it's not suitable for them, or, or you just you just wonder why. But when you enjoy it and you use it for the good of others, I believe that's when we are best utilizing the gifts that God has given us, whether it be a possession or whether it be the gospel or whether it be uh, life in general or whether it's our money.
all this is possible because of Jesus. If Jesus had not died on a cross 2,000 years ago for, for the sins of the world, for sinners like you and I, we wouldn't even be having this conversation now. This would just be a club. Uh, it would just be a time where we get together and drink coffee and eat donuts. But because of what Jesus has done, now we can discuss what do we do with our money? You know, I, I can pay my bills. That's a good thing. I can uh, buy food for my home. That's a good thing. I can help others. That's a good thing too. And so we have to keep our eyes focused on Jesus and, and literally go to him and say, Jesus, what do I do now? I have no money. What do I do? I have extra money. This is rare. What do I do with this? And when we make the wrong choice, then we come to the Lord in repentance and say, man, I really messed up that one. Can we do this again? Can we try this again? Lord, can you, will you forgive me again? And the answer is yes. We know that. God's a forgiving God. God loves us. But that's all possible because of Jesus. And, and if we will see Jesus as our God, as our Savior, as our Lord, as the only one through whom we uh, reach the Father, then giving will become part of our new, uh, not our human nature, but our supernatural nature, our super nature, if you will. It will become part of, of the fruits of the Spirit, which is generosity. One of them is generosity. So I want to pray tonight before we do our sort of collective prayer uh, requests um, that the Lord would just continue teaching us. You know, I, I, church is not like a switch. I mean, it can be, but it's not like you come through the doors, I don't want to give. Then I preach, and the switch goes on, like, oh, I'm going to give everything. The Lord is working on you, and I know that. I recognize that. And I just want you to continue to engage Jesus and allow him to change you and shape you and mold you and rebuke you and, 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 and correct you and encourage you and love you. So let's pray. Jesus, you are good, and I stand before you not as uh, a symbol of perfection, but if anything, what not to do when it comes to uh, following you. But I pray tonight, Lord, that for each one of us that struggle with giving, that struggle with generosity, not just, not just giving out of our abundance, but giving when, when things are tight, giving when, when we look at somebody and we judge them before we give, when, when it's uh, just... It's just the last thing we want to do. Lord, I'm praying that you would continue to work on us. We want to become the kind of Christians that we see in the New Testament. You know, your disciples and, and those in the book of Acts who, who are filled with your Holy Spirit and can't give fast enough. There, there, there isn't a property that they can't sell. There isn't a thing they can't give away. There's no dollar amount that's insurmountable. You know, read through the epistles of Paul, and we see folks who, who just want Paul to preach at their church. So they, they make ways for, them, for him to come by, by giving of their, of their riches, by giving from what they have. And Jesus, that's who we want to be. That's the kind of Christians that we want to be. Ones that have been so radically changed by Jesus that our old life and how we viewed giving is completely obliterated by what your word says. But Lord, I pray for, for your people, I pray for me included, that this process where, where we weigh uh, the good and the bad and we, and we seek you through your word, I'm just praying that you would continue to meet and speak to your people. That if, if we're not there yet, I, I pray that you would continue to work on us. I am thankful, Lord, that you uh, fund this ministry um, without fail, that 
that we don't I, I'm thankful that I've never had to manipulate anybody that that I simply make an appeal and, and people are just so eager to give and be a part of what you're doing whether we're we're gathering for a guest speaker whether it's just a need of the church whether we're collecting for you know uh, childhood cancers or care net your people are just so ready and eager to give help us to stay focused on Jesus to not become jaded when people don't notice us that we'd be satisfied in giving in secret that we'd be satisfied in just knowing that you know what we've done we give you the praise the honor and the glory tonight in Jesus name amen <laughs>